Good morning. Welcome to our worship service today. It's good to have each one of you with us as you join us this morning. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, and it is a time in which we recognize the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem and the beginning of what is called the Week of Christ's Passion. Now, this coming Friday is Good Friday, which we uh, normally, typically would uh, be recognizing as the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, next Sunday as Easter and uh, celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard that uh, one news broadcaster had said on uh, TV that this year Easter was canceled because of the coronavirus. <laughs> and there were so many responses to that that... Uh, that no way is Easter canceled. Uh, no way can we uh, think that uh, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has affected hardly any. Uh, even uh, some believe that it will be a greater response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ at Easter at celebration this year. Uh, sure that he was probably talking about the gatherings of so many people with mass Easter egg hunts and, and going in shopping for all kinds of new clothes and and uh, those type of, of what's typically thought of as Easter by the world. But in our realm, we know very well what Easter is all about. And, and truly, every Sunday that we meet is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rose on the first day of the week, on Sunday. And our Lord's Day is Sunday. We meet every Sunday because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We praise the Lord for that. But this week begins his week of passion when he would be arrested, interrogated, condemned, scourged, and crucified, and praise God, then resurrected the third day. It's hard for us to believe that this coming Sunday is Easter upon us, and here we are struggling as to figure out how we're going to have a service. We're still investigating the possibility of having a parking lot service and stay tuned to more information about that. We'll let you know if that's still possible. And uh, from that standpoint, we'll go forward with our announcements. But for right now, I want us to uh, continue in this service. Uh, Easter is so important for us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen that if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, there is no hope for us, for heaven. There is no hope for us to be forgiven of our sins. It is only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can have any hope of having our sins forgiven and having a home in heaven with God. Never in my life can I remember ever missing so many church services in a row for any reason. Especially, certainly not since I was saved in, in uh, 1969 at the age of 13. We have uh, an unprecedented situation before us. And I thank the Lord for all of you that have been faithfully watching our videos and keeping up and taking time to spend with the Lord extra time that God has given you during this uh, unusual situation in our lives. This situation is also one that's not just unusual, but it's difficult. It's even challenging in day-to-day -day life, uh, especially for some that have more difficulty getting out than others. I hope that you're staying well, and I hope that you'll continue keeping up with our video services uh, as best you can. Uh, by the way, you can also uh, 
share this information and people can look us up on YouTube, just typing in Holly Hills Baptist Church, Powhatan, Virginia, and there will be our videos that they can watch at any time without even having to go to our website. So please spread the word and help others to get in on the services that we have. Also, wasn't it great to be able to find out why all the toilet paper is missing from the shelves in our stores? I heard it was the toilet paper rapture. The roll was called up yonder. Then they went. <laughs> well, if you thought that was funny, uh, now join me as we start singing a little bit this morning. I do want us to try to sing a couple of hymns. Uh, we'll take them uh, there. The first one, Worthy of Worship. I picked a couple I thought you might know the words to a little bit more since we don't have our hymn books necessarily in all your homes. But if you do have one of the hymn books there, number three, Worthy of Worship, like to sing that together, all three verses. Please join us, join me as we sing it together, please. Worthy of worship, worthy of praise, worthy of honor and glory. Worthy of all the glad songs we can sing. Worthy of all of the offerings we bring. You are worthy, Father, Creator. You are worthy, Savior, Sustainer. You are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Worthy of reverence, worthy of fear, worthy of love and devotion, worthy of bowing and bending of knees, Worthy of all this and added to these, you are worthy, Father, Creator, you are worthy, Savior, Sustainer, you are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Almighty Father, Master and Lord, King of all kings and Redeemer, Wonderful Counselor, Comforter, Friend, Savior and Source of our life without end, You are worthy, Father, Creator, You are worthy, Savior, Sustainer, You are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Amen. Yes, He is worthy of worship and praise. That leads us then to number 10, How Great Thou Art. He is worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. He is great. And He is our God. Praise the Lord. We'll sing the first, the third, and the fourth. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds Thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder, 
thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Oh, number three. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Amen. I hope you did a good job there and sang with me. And uh, praise the Lord for those two great songs. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege of being here for this message today. And I pray for each one of us where we are that you would allow us to listen very attentively, to participate as we can in the singing. In each one of these services that you give us, we thank you, Lord, that you meet with us the same you're the same God, you never change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And thank you for your great mercy. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, we also uplift today and ask that you would uh, meet with us through your word. And give us both a challenge of our heart and encouragement to our soul. We'll thank you for all that you accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message I'd like to share with you today is The Folded Napkin. It's taken out of John chapter 20. So if you'll turn there, please, to John chapter 20. Uh, some passages that we come across in Scripture are better understood when we understand some of the Bible time customs. Knowing customs and uh, these rules uh, that they had 
will help us to, to unlock some of the, the truths that God has in his word to better understand what he is communicating. For instance, um, in England, there's some etiquette, there's some rules, uh, customs that they are to follow when dining with the queen. I understand that there have been some times in which these etiquettes were not known or forgotten and, and some things happened that kind of disrupted uh, uh, in, this, in the mealtime. But, uh, for instance, in dining with the queen there, rule number one is you don't sit until the queen sits. Uh, we must follow, or a person must follow, the lead of uh, the queen when approaching the table. Uh, no one sits until the queen has settled into her seat. Then everyone else can be seated. That would be something very natural. But the second one is you can only eat when she is eating. So you don't eat until she picks up her fork to begin eating. And you continue to eat until she puts her fork down and is done. And then that means you're done. Whether you have more food on your table and are still hungry doesn't matter. You're done when she does, she's done. Uh, knowing those things helps a whole lot when you're going to be eating with a queen. I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon that I know of. But praise the Lord, we can look at some of the Bible customs and it can help us in understanding uh, some of the things that we'll read. And in, in uh, John chapter 20 has some information there for us that's best understood when we understand some of the Bible time customs. It takes place here on the first Easter morning, resurrection morning, uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ is discovered not to be in the tomb. He is risen from the tomb, and uh, he is alive forevermore. Uh, praise God for that. We'll begin reading in verse 1 of John chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple uh, whom Jesus loved. That's, we'll find, we'll see as John, we'll understand as John, uh, the writer of this, uh, this book. Uh, comes, she comes to Simon Peter and to John and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, and came unto the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, out of breath, I'm sure, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have here in this passage, first of all, three words, three Greek words that are different, that are used for the word see. They saw something when they looked in or when they went in. And I want us to understand that first before we get into the customs here. But as we see what uh, took place there, Mary Magdalene went, saw the stone was rolled away. She assumed that uh, the body of Jesus had been taken. I think there was rumor of that uh, that was going around. 
She ran and told Peter and John, and then John, being younger than Peter, outran Peter there to the sepulcher. John looked in and verified, yep, the body is gone. Peter got there. He went in and saw uh, what he looked at there, that yes, the body was gone and the linen clothes and the napkin was laying there and folded into the side. And then John came in and he saw and believed. Now, the three different words that are given to us is that when John first got there, he saw, he looked in and took a, a quick glance in and saw, yes, the body is gone. That's what that word saw means, to take a quick look at, to take a quick glance. Secondly, Peter saw. Uh, it means to look carefully, to investigate. Peter went in and started looking and investigating and thinking. His body couldn't have been stolen. The linen clothes are still here. What thieves would take the linen clothes off of a body to steal it? And besides, if the linen clothes had been taken off, they would be in all disarray. And here they are laid neatly as if he just passed through them. And then John walked in and John saw with comprehension, the word means, and he believed. What did he believe is what we want to look at. He understood what happened and what that meant. We'll see, he came to understand, both of them, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ had taken place. As I said there, so what did Peter and John see? What did they come to believe? Well, most commentators will tell you that they saw the grave clothes, and what they saw was the undisturbed grave clothes. They were still there as if Jesus' body was still there in them, but his body was gone and they were just collapsed flat. We need to first understand the burial custom of the Hebrews of that day, and we'll better understand what this looked like. Um, this is out of Clyde Box, Dr. Clyde Box's uh, book and his message about the folded napkin. And he writes about this custom. He says, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus' body from the cross. Now, we know that from Scripture. Uh, it says that they went and they requested to, to take his body and to, to prepare it for burial um, before the 6 o'clock hour uh, when the day changed. And so they took his body from the cross. They would have washed the blood from his body and, and the dirt off of it. And then they wrapped it in clean white linen. That was their custom. One leg, then both legs together, then around the torso. Then the arms were wrapped and folded across the chest. Uh, they placed a linen napkin around his head and took one look, last look, at the one they had called Master and Lord, and they walked out of the tomb. And then the stone was rolled in its place. Um, that would have been the type of burial that they would have done. In wrapping the body, they had spices, quite expensive, that they took and put inside the wrappings as they would wrap uh, the body. It was part of the customs. Here were when Peter and John saw in the tomb that the body was not there, but the wrappings were still layered as if, Jesus had just passed through uh, the wrappings and left them in that order. 
That's why we have such great evidence. One of the great evidences of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is that the grave clothes were not disturbed. Nobody could have taken them off of Jesus and then put them back that way, that neat. The only way possible was for Jesus to have passed through, to have resurrected. That seems to agree with what verse 9 says in our passage. After it says there, they saw and they believed, for as yet, verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They didn't understand totally Jesus' resurrection claims that he had given. As we look back, we see such plain English that is used, uh, such plain communication. But in the midst of it, they didn't understand completely. It was after the fact that they remembered his words of what he had said, and it made sense. So we have here this uh, believing that he had raised from the dead because they saw the grave clothes. Um, this truly is a great physical evidence, as I said, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, they saw the napkin folded. Look at verse 7. As Peter saw the linen clothes lie, and then in verse 7, and he saw the napkin that was about his head, not laying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. The napkin was taken and folded and laid apart separately. Now, what is the significance of that? Uh, to appreciate the significance, we need to understand their custom of the folded napkin. Uh, the uh, book that I was reading there with uh, Dr. Bach's uh, explanation, he shared this about the custom of the folded napkin. He said, the custom of the folded napkin is linked to the master-servant relationship. When the servant prepared the table for the master to dine, he made sure everything was just right. Then he would leave the room and wait outside out of sight. He dared not talk with the master, nor touch the table until the master had finished eating. They communicated, but they had a different way to communicate. As the master was eating, if he got up from the table, took his napkin, wiped his face, and then wadded the napkin up and put it down and left the table, the waiting servant would rush in to clear the table. But if the master wiped his face, folded his napkin, and put it down and left the table, the servant wouldn't move. The folded napkin meant, I'm not finished yet, I'm coming back. What a great truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. He folded the napkin from his head, representing, I'm not finished yet, I'm coming back. Now some would immediately think, well what about what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. Uh, I thought he was through. And sure enough, that is true. Absolutely true. Everything that was necessary to provide our salvation from the penalty of sin and from the very presence of sin eventually, and certainly from the power of sin, everything that was necessary to provide our redemption was accomplished on Calvary's cross when Jesus finished that payment uh, there on the cross bowing his head and giving up his, his spirit and dying. Jesus Christ paid the price. The resurrection was somewhat of God's stamp of approval 
that everything that Jesus had done was satisfactory to pay for our sins. He was our substitute. And he was the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sin payment. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the entire world. Praise the Lord for that truth. But there is at least three things that Jesus is not finished with. Three things that he is not finished with. And I want to explain. The first is that he is not finished saving sinners. If you'll look back with me to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 are very familiar verses to us. They follow Jesus' words in chapter 13, where Jesus told his disciples that he would be leaving them. They didn't understand. They were greatly concerned and troubled about this. So Jesus, in his next words, in the beginning of chapter 14, said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The folded napkin. I'm not through. I'm coming again. I'm coming back. And so he comforted them and saying, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to be coming back. But he went on to say there in verse 16 that he was leaving them another comforter of the same kind. The Holy Spirit of God, we know that to be. And we're told in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that that Holy Spirit, that we shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we shall be witnesses under, for the Lord Jesus Christ under Jerusalem and in all Judea and into Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. We know that ties the Holy Spirit's dwelling within us to the power that we need to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others around the world. In 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 through 20, the Apostle Paul writes there that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, the word just means to reconcile, to be made in a right standing with God. He has given us the ministry of helping people come to a right relationship, a right standing with God. And the only way that's possible is through sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Not only that, but he tells us down a couple of verses later that we are to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent him in this world. And so putting all of this together, Jesus was saying there that he is leaving, but he is leaving us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, that will give us power to be witnesses, and he's coming back to receive us unto himself. We see it even further when we look back to John chapter 20. We look over into verse 21 where Jesus said unto them, his disciples, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. I'm leaving, but just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you into the world to be witnesses for me. That people can get saved. Sinners can get saved. Um, The napkin is still folded. 
I'm not through with saving sinners, Jesus said. Number two that we see that Jesus was not finished with, he was not finished sanctifying saints. Uh, you remember over in Romans chapter 12, another two great verses that you should be familiar with. Verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul writes there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's the next word? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's stop there. We know that the Lord says, I urge you, I beseech you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We've talked about that before. But that living sacrifice of our body should be holy. Now, what does the word holy mean? It means to be separate, to separate. We're to be separate from sin. We're to be separated unto God. And that uh, takes place first, initially, at salvation. We're set apart in position, as we saw last week. But we're also in a process of sanctification where God is working on us to make us more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, He says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants to transform us from being like other people in this world to being like His saved ambassadors, that we would be like the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I can, and that, and that is a process. Second Corinthians five seventeen. You remember it says, "If anybody be in Christ, if they're saved, he is a new creation, a new creature." Then it says, "All things are passed away." It's in the present tense. So really, the wording is, "All things are passing away," and behold, all things are becoming new. A process of sanctification getting rid of the things that we shouldn't have in our life and getting into our life the things that the Lord wants so that we'll be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We can imagine the Apostle Paul making some statements like uh, this in his uh, relationship of sanctification with the Lord. He would have said something like, Here are my eyes, Lord. Use them to look for sinners. Use them to read your word. <clears throat> Here are my feet, Lord. May they walk in the steps of thy wondrous feet. May I follow you. Exactly. Here are my hands, Lord. May they do the work of the ministry. Paul would have had that desire in himself. We see it in scripture constantly. And we need to have the same desire. Lord, continue to work on me. And make me into the image of your son. That I could be a proper ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. With the gospel of Christ. To reconcile people unto yourself. It would be nice if we had a t-shirt with a yellow sign on it. That said under construction. Because I am in a, a work in progress. God is still working on me. To be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's working on you. If you know the Lord as your savior. He's working on you as, as well. Philippians 1, 6, Paul wrote, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's not through working on you. The napkin is still folded 
He's not finished sanctifying saints. And then the last thing I want to share with you is that uh, comes out of Isaiah chapter 6. You remember there, um, Isaiah saw the Lord in his holiness there. This one is, Jesus is not finished sending out servants. Sending out servants. Isaiah saw the Lord in his holiness. As the, the angels cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty, he is the one that is holy. He is the one that is pure, that is, that is clean, that is right, that's perfect. Uh, he saw himself in comparison with God's holiness. What did he say? Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw his sin. He confessed his sin and God forgave him. Once he had confessed his sin and God had forgiven him, then he heard the voice of the Lord calling and saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you remember what he said? Here am I, send me. God is not finished sending out servants. Isaiah is an example of that. And God wants to do a work in us so that he can do a work through us into others. He wants to send us out as his servants. He will not use what he has not cleansed first. So we need to make sure we look into his word. We see his holiness. We see our sin in comparison. That we repent and confess our sin and let him forgive us. And then listen for what God wants us to do in his will and surrender to do that for him. When I was a senior in high school, I was interested in accounting. I was taking some classes in my high school. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to go into accounting. So I applied to Bob Jones University, was accepted. I was planning to go there. And the Lord began to deal with my heart about going into the ministry. <clears throat> so I surrendered to go into the ministry and changed uh, uh, over to Piedmont Bible College at the time. And God gave me a wonderful education in the Bible uh, there through Piedmont. We praise the Lord for his call on my life. Do you know God works the same way in so many other people's lives? He wants us to see that we have the responsibility when he speaks to us to respond and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Whatever that will is, we are to surrender to it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto the harvest. <coughs> Excuse me. So we have the Lord Jesus in his desire to have people that be sent out into the harvest whether it's sent out as uh, a missionary, whether it's sent out as a, as a minister, or whether it's just sent out with a message of the gospel to your neighbor, God wants to use us, and we need to respond properly. The napkin is still folded. He's not finished sending out servants. Will you say, here am I, send me? What joyous thoughts we have here at Easter. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. 
and he left the napkin folded. He's not finished, but he's coming back again. Praise the Lord. I came across this short poem I wanted to share with you. It says, He is coming, He is coming. We can almost hear the sound of His footsteps on the threshold and our hearts with gladness bound. When He comes, may I be ready, watching, praying, working still. Though He tarry, may I daily learn more perfectly His will. Though He tarry, may I daily more perfectly learn His will. Are you ready to hear His word? to learn His will, and to surrender, to do it. I pray that you are. When He comes, will He find us faithful? Father, I pray that as we have looked into Your Word today, that You have spoken to us and You have shown us out of Your Word that You not only have provided everything that's necessary for our salvation, but You've, always, but you've already given us the indication and the promise that You're not finished working on us and working through us, that you want to do a ministry of sending us out unto others. And I pray that we would be sensitive to that and responsive to that with here am I, send me. Thank you for what you will continue to do. And may this week before us be a week of great celebration as we anticipate next Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus Christ as our celebration thoughts. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. If you're watching with us today and uh, you're uncertain about your salvation, I'd like to invite you and say to you that you can know for sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can know for sure that if you were to die, you could go to heaven. If you are unsure of that, you still do not know, I'd like to invite you to email me uh, at Pastor at hollyhillsbaptist.org. That's pastor at hollyhillsbaptist.org. I want you to put uh, in the subject line uh, something uh, to the point of uh, Jesus Saves Booklet. I have a booklet here that I'd like to share with you free of charge. If you will contact the office uh, either by the email or even calling in uh, to our church, and sharing with us that you would like to receive one of these uh, booklets, give us your address at home and I'll mail that to you that you can have this information, how you can know that Jesus has saved you and that you have a life with him afterwards. Please uh, contact me, pastor at hollyhillsbaptist.org. Thank you for again joining us with our worship service today. I hope that you'll join us this this Wednesday for our midweek prayer service any, available anytime after 5 o'clock p.m. And uh, God bless you. Stay well. And I hope to uh, be worshiping with you the remainder of the week in these times. Goodbye. <laughs>